It is neither Caesar nor sin. It is neither death nor the devil. And it is not even God's own law that ultimately rules creation. But it is God who ultimately rules, and the way in which God rules the world is through Jesus. Dear family and friends of First Lutheran, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, who is the healer of our every ill. Amen. Picture with me in your mind's eye this woman in our gospel text for today. She is literally a walking 90-degree angle. Her back is so badly bent forward that for 18 years, just imagine that, she hasn't been able to see the beauty of a bird in flight or the wonder of the stars at night. If anything, she felt like she was the Big Dipper. Each step treacherous, for she had to strain with everything she had just to peer a few feet in front of her. As explained by Dr. Brandenburg in our Bible study this past Wednesday, just moving one foot in front of the other was most likely excruciatingly painful for her, as though fire was literally shooting throughout all the nerve endings in her body. And so her vision, as with her hopes, were tied to the ground, earthbound, dust to dust. My friends, how easy it would have been for her to excuse herself from coming to worship on the Sabbath, on Sunday. For remember, she lived in the time of first century Palestine before there was such a thing as epidurals or muscle relaxants or orthopedic surgery, say nothing of just being able to go to the medicine cabinet and uh, take a couple of Aleve tablets. But came she did, remembering the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Look at her once more. Though hobbled with pain, this poor woman still made her way on the Sabbath to gather with her friends, to gather with her family of faith. She came to pray, to sing psalms of thanksgiving to God in spite of her suffering. And she came to nurture her faith. How? By hearing. By hearing what? By hearing God's word for her, bent over and earthbound though she be. Until, until this particular Sabbath Sunday morning in our gospel text, she makes the stooped over fiery walk once more and begins to enter the synagogue. And then a voice cries out to her. And although she's unable to see where the voice is coming from, this call is God's word that comes and enfolds her and embraces her, showering her, 
showering that fire of her pain-riddled life, like the healing power of a cool spring rain. Her bent-over vision once looking in a glass dimly, but now face-to-face with God's healing word in person, in the reign of Jesus. Those of you who have your Bibles open, recall Dr. Luke's account there in verses 12 and 13. And when Jesus saw her, he called out to her and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your infirmity. And then Jesus laid his hands upon her, and immediately she was made straight, and she praised God. Just a few seconds later, we hear this no, this crying out voice of the ruler of the synagogue to this newly created parade. Again, look there in verse 13 and following of the text. Remember what the law teaches, shouts the ruler of the synagogue. No work is to be done on the Sabbath. Healing is a work. Besides, God's store of blessings is closed on Sundays. Even God rests on the Sabbath. Now, before we get all high and mighty with ourselves here, let's be careful. The Sabbath is a day for rest and renewal. And the rather negative view we take toward the various restrictions associated with the Sabbath would have been very foreign to these Jewish folk at worship on that Sunday morning. Why? Well, keep in mind that the law, including laws about keeping Sabbath as set forth in the commandments in Exodus 20, are linked with the first creation account in Genesis where it says, and God rested on the seventh day. Now, you'd better believe that when the Israelites, who still had it rather fresh in their mind, uh, not such great memories of being beaten down, bent over, treated like dogs by their taskmasters in Egypt, think pyramids, never given a day off, when they hear this commandment, by God to observe a day of rest, renewing their relationship with him, this was a good thing. Perhaps the first labor protection law in history. And so I often wonder if we wouldn't be a bit better off in our American culture with all of our rat racing in taking the Sabbath more seriously. No, we're not slaves, certainly not like the Israelites. But plenty of us have to work long hours and sometimes more than one job to make ends meet. And many more of us have a harder and harder time disconnecting from work with all the emails and the texts and the deadlines and the endless grind of a 24-7 world that never stops. Life, you see, for people at all levels on the economic ladder is both hectic and demanding. So might we also benefit from what this means to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy and setting priorities in our life in doing so.
Today, I must say that heavy on my heart is a verse from Psalm 90, verse 12. As I was visiting with a couple of our family members of First Lutheran last night who were in hospice care, and how it became so apparent for me that we need to pause and consider how it is that we spend our lives. Teach us to number our days, says the psalmist, and so grant us a heart of wisdom. So what at bottom is it that this ruler of the synagogue is worried about arguing something like, well, once you start making exceptions for this reason or that, pretty soon no one is really keeping Sabbath. The whole law is like that. You miss one, you miss them all. But what he'd forgotten is that the law was given to the Israelites not to help them become people of God, but rather it's a precious gift given them because they're already God's people. So truth be told, we regularly agree with this well-intentioned ruler of the synagogue. Perhaps not about the Sabbath, but most of us have laws we think are particularly important and we get nervous when other people don't observe or keep them. Maybe it's little things like eating only organic foods or children's bedtime we're not singing Christmas hymns during Advent, or might I add, like a crazed pastor had us this past July, lead us in singing O Little Town of Bethlehem. Some of you are here. I was the crazed one. But there are larger matters here that we address in terms of health care and abortion or immigration laws. Whatever it is, there are some laws we believe you should just keep, period. And if you don't, well, who knows what's going to unravel next. Now in verse 14 we read, And so the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, not the Sabbath day. However, this is not the only interpretation that is given to the people of Israel through the Old Testament and how to understand God's law, especially regarding the Sabbath day. For Jesus now brings to us a second tradition, one that gets underneath, we might even argue is crossways with the first, Namely, an understanding of God's law that we have according to Deuteronomy 5 that links the Sabbath to the very Exodus event itself. The second tradition links the Sabbath to matters of release from bondage, to being in captivity, to being tied down to the great scope of freedom. 
If you look at verse 10, Jesus introduces here an argument that uses precedence or what we might call case law today. For the rabbis in Jesus' time did allow people to untie their cattle so they might drink on the Sabbath. So Jesus is turning the rabbi's argument on its head. It's called an argument from the lesser to the greater. Simply put, if you unbind or free an animal to drink on the Sabbath, how much more so that you free and give healing to this woman, a daughter of Abraham? Of course it's permissible to set someone free by healing on the Sabbath, Jesus is saying. For the Sabbath is finally about freedom. The Sabbath day, whether the Jewish Sabbath on Saturday or the Christian day of rest and worship on Sunday, reminds us that we too have been captive, captive to sin, bent over heavy with burdens. You name that which is on your heart this day. But now we've been set free by the one who reigns from a cross, the voice of him who also calls us to look around and see who else needs to hear God's freeing, forgiving word for them, a word as well of affirmation that they are children of God. Those who feel bent over with guilt or shame, feeling worthless. And so it is that Martin Luther loved to call Sunday a little Easter. Do you see what Jesus, who is the Lord of the Sabbath, is teaching us here? That beneath the surface of God's law, there's a deeper intent, and that is the welfare, the needs of our neighbor who are bent over. You don't keep the laws for the sake of keeping laws. They are not saving. They are not an end in themselves, but for the greater intention they serve, that is, the work of God's saving grace and sharing it. In closing, I want you to think carefully with me on what Jesus is teaching us here this day. Yes, he says the law can help us live healthier lives, but it's God's grace that creates life itself and fulfills it. The law helps us order our world, but it's God's grace that holds all things together as we hear in Hebrews 1.17. And yes, the law pushes us to care for each other, but it's God's grace that restores us to one another when we fail to keep the law. As Pastor Catherine says, when you point to someone and see three other fingers pointing back at ourselves. God himself in Christ who incarnates the life that he seeks for us of life abundance, of grace upon grace. For above and beyond all the laws ever received or conceived, the absolute law is a sacrificial love. God's love in Christ who identifies with us has freed us setting us free from sin and death 
straight up. And now from a well-beloved singer-songwriter who knew many a bent-over day in his life and inspired his song, Fire and Rain, James Taylor, let us pray. Won't you look down upon us, Jesus? You've got to help us make a stand. Help us make it through another day. Our bodies aching, our time is at hand. And we know we can't make it any other way. Yes, we've seen fire and we've seen rain. And so, Lord, on this, on this Sabbath day, we pray that you would walk with us into the new week. For you know all the parched and fiery places of our lives, but also that reigning from a cross, you have set us straight in the everlasting way and truth and life of your forgiving and abounding love. Yes, O Lord, on this Sabbath day, reign on us and be gracious to us. Amen.